Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. And I'm going to bring to this pulpit uh, Brother Titus Burke. He's going to preach to us here today. Uh, Brother Titus and Sister Lindsay and Atticus and Monterey are, uh, I believe it's the first part of July is the plan at this point, that they're going to be going to Sweden, and uh, we do uh, want to um, uh, take care of them, and thank you for the sacrificial offerings that have been given. I know they still have some, some funds that need to be raised for various needs that go beyond even the uh, uh, the faith promise of various things for their house and upkeep of the house and things like that. So there's a lot goes into this, but they're going to be going to Sweden for three months, and I'm believing that there's going to be souls that are going to be touched by the presence of the Lord. I'm believing that, and um, we're going to continue to pray for them. But July 1st, they're going to be uh, going there around there around that time if everything works out we just know God's timing is right it's right so I'm believing the Lord for great things to happen miracles wonders salvation harvest praise God you believe that you believe it God bless I know you believe it praise God we ask a lot of questions we already know the answers to but we just continue to ask because I just want to hear it in Pentecost Church you got to hear it amen but Brother Titus, come to this pulpit. Take your liberty. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Take your liberty. Well, praise the Lord, church. Feel the presence of God so strong in this place. It is it's awesome. It is so awesome. I do want to say thank you to all that gave to um, to the mission for Sweden. You are truly investing in souls there's not a lot of truth that can be found very easily in this world um, a lot of a lot of people are hurting and suffering and you know the people in Sweden are no different and we are so thankful though to hear reports that there are people receiving the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus name we had um, the missionary told me the other day when I was on the phone with him that that there was, uh, there was three people filled with the Holy Ghost and, and two they were about to baptize that day in the name of Jesus. And it's very encouraging also to hear that they are, they are Swedish people, young men. Most of the time when there's revivals going on in certain countries, it's usually a lot of immigrants that are very open to, to God. But um, it's just encouraging to hear that some Swedish people are actually receiving the Holy Ghost as well as, as immigrants that have came into the country. So it's very encouraging to see that and to hear that. And we're so thankful to see that just continue to just the fire of the Holy Ghost to continue to burn in that country. I just want to talk to you guys for a few minutes today upon something that is on my heart, something that all of us have deep down inside of us. And that is a desire 
a deep thirst within us that God has put inside of us. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer before I preach this word, that God would just let his words flow and that his, his, his voice would be open and we would be open to receive whatever he has for us today. Can we do that? In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, God, for this moment. We thank you, God, for the presence of the Lord that is in this place, for the flowing of your spirit, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are loving us enough, God, to give, Lord, your word today, Jesus. Lord, I know that I'm nothing of myself, God, but what you put inside of me, that's what means something, God. And I pray that everyone, God, that hears your voice, that hears your word today, Lord, would be filled with it, God, that they would be hoping in it, that they would be rejoicing in it, that they would embrace the word that is spoken today, God, because it's yours, it's not mine, God. Lord, but it's your word, it's your way, it's your will, Jesus. And we ask that you would just remove all the blockage, remove all the things that would stand in the way of your word today, Jesus. And we desire you, God, to seek your face, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If we could turn to John chapter 7, verse 37 through 38, we're going to start our text there. John 37, or John 7, verse 37 through 38. <clears throat> When you're there, say amen. amen. It says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And I'm going to read Revelations 22, 1 through 2, and verse 17 quickly. You don't have to turn there if you don't want but it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." How many know that there's some nations that need to be healed today? And the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. I want to talk to you guys today for a few minutes about a thirst quenched by fire, a thirst quenched by fire. You can be seated. we see these words echoing from the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry on this earth and even to the very last chapter of the word of God in Revelations 22 that same message that is spoken if any man thirst let him come let him come to me and drink if he is a thirst come we know that water is a way of life we know that water is something that we can't live without. I mean, I've got some right here, and it's good. Oops. 
I wouldn't be up here if it wasn't awkward, you know. <laughs> but water, it is something that is so important, something that we, we cannot live without. Civilizations that we look around um, in the history books, we see that different ancient civilizations were built around water, a water source, a way of life. We look at cities right here in America and across the world, they're all situated with the surrounding bodies of water. We look at Chicago and we look at St. Louis, uh, these close cities to us, and we see, we see rivers. They're built by rivers. There's life there. And, and even in, in uh, the Garden of Eden, there were four rivers that flowed out of, out of the Garden of Eden. And I'm going to try to pronounce these, the Pishon, the, the Gihon, the Tigris, and the Euphrates River. I know we've probably heard of the Euphrates River. River. It goes right through Iraq. But people tend to follow their thirst. People follow the thirst that's with inside of them. Thirst is a powerful, powerful motivator. When we're thirsty for something, that's what we pursue after. That's what we look for. Thirst makes some, in a, in a physical sense, dig deep wells, wells that they can find life. And you see tribes and people come to that well and it sustains them and it sustains their livestock and it keeps them alive sometimes thirst can cause people to go hundreds even thousands of miles to get a drink of water if you found find yourself in a desert place there's nothing better than fresh water and you'll travel for it you'll get anywhere you can to get to water some people thirst for something more than water they thirst for knowledge there's a thirst for knowledge that people have in this world. They live to study and to understand. They want to know. They're curious about the things that go on in this world and how it works. They're, they're, they're driven by knowledge. They, they fill their, their shelves with, with, with books. You know, some people wish that they lived in a, in, a, in a castle where, you know, you're with Beauty and the Beast and you're trying to go in the library and gather all these books that you couldn't read in a lifetime. Can I get an amen, Brother, Brother Austin? He's got his own library. But we, there are people that, are, that just, they hunger and thirst for knowledge to gather information that they believe to be vital to their survival or vital to expanding their mind. Other people thirst for love and acceptance. They thirst for love and acceptance so much so that they will even... Um, they will sometimes lead themselves to places of compromise and they will compromise how they feel just to be accepted. They compromise who they are just to be accepted. Thirst is a powerful thing. I believe that all thirst, all thirst in life comes from God. It comes from a deep God-given desire to know him, to know God and be known by him. To hear and to recognize his voice. That's what we desire deep down inside, whether we know it or not. I know you wouldn't be here today if you weren't at least curious about God. If you didn't have at least something inside of you that said, I just, I just want to know a little bit more about what all this is about. Well, God has the answers today for you. And let me tell you about it. There are things that people seek in this world that leave them unsatisfied 
there are things that people pursue that will never quench that thirst sadly there are people looking to quench their thirst by anything else that will spend that they will spend their entire lives unsatisfied and wandering in a desert of dissatisfaction and left just totally directionless if you don't believe me let's look at this quote by a famous uh, quarterback we've all probably heard of Tom Brady this was in 2004 when he had a little less amount of rings he said why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me I reached my goal my dream my life me I think it's gonna be more it's got to be more than this I mean this can't be what it's all cracked cracked up to be I mean I've been I've done it and I'm 27 years old and what else is there for me and here's a man that fulfilled pretty much any goal that you could ever think of he's so dissatisfied that he leaves the team he's been with for you know his whole career it never ends you know others that have left the game of whatever they're playing you know they find themselves owning a team trying to satisfy that that goal of the of the same emptiness that's inside of them and I tell you today thirst is from God and thirst is for God the thirst that you feel that that restlessness inside of you right now that you're feeling today it's there because you long for a purpose in your life you long to belong you long for relationship you were created to know your God we were created to know our God we were created to need our God and we were designed to pursue our God Jesus said in John chapter 7 if any man thirsts let him come unto me and drink but it's not enough to just thirst is it we see where thirst can get you when you're someone like Tom Brady or anybody else in this world that's looking for something to satisfy their soul thirst is not the issue that's what we all have but you have to do something about that painful parchedness you have to do something about that you have to pursue Psalms 42 1 through 5 puts it very plainly as the soul's desire for God it says as the deer panteth after the water brooks so panteth my soul after thee O God my soul thirsteth for God for the living God when I shall or when shall I come and appear before God my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me where is thy God when I remember these things I pour out my soul in me for I had gone with the multitude I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day and then he says why art thou cast down O my soul and why art thou so disquieted in me hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance as the deer longs for the water brook thirsts for the water brook travels many miles to find that water source so does my soul long after thee notice when David remembered his thirst and remembered that that was his soul's desire and he remembered all that was against him 
He finds himself going to the house of the Lord. He finds himself going. But not only going, but waiting. That word hope, hope thou in God, that that is a word in the Hebrew that means to tarry, to expect, to wait for, wait for his face to appear. That's what he was doing. He was hoping in God. He was waiting for God. It's not enough for us to just thirst and to come to the house of God. We're all in the house of God today, but I feel like God wants to bring us to a deeper place in him where he can do some things with our life. Psalms 42, 7 and 8 goes on to say, David, in the same scripture, later on it says, deep calleth unto deep. As the noise, at, at the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayers unto the God of my life. Deep calleth unto deep. That is a poetic phrase that means water making a commotion as in waves continually crashing upon the shores, as in the, the shores of our heart. It's making noise. It's, it's calling out to us to come deeper. It's calling out to, to get off the shore and, and go to the depths of God, to his love, his mercy, his grace that's calling out today, and ultimately to his face and to his voice. His call is like waves crashing over us all the day long. Do you ever feel that tug like something's missing? That is God and his waves crashing over you, calling to you to, to come and seek me. Come and drink from my wells of living water. He's saying, come and drink and you will never thirst again. Why do we look so hard in this world for so many things to satisfy our, our need when we always feel even more empty than we ever did before? After we partake, after we take in whatever has been distracting us and been getting all of our attention, we feel so empty at the end. We feel so lost. We have to be able to respond when God tugs at our heart. We can't just allow his voice to crash over us and us not do something about it. We'll never be satisfied in this world if we do that. So what should our response look like in the presence of God? When his presence is moving, we know it's not enough to just feel his presence, but we got to do something about it. Our response should look something like, Isaiah's response in Isaiah chapter 6 when, when Isaiah was in a place where he was hungry for God the Bible says that he looked and seen the throne of God and he seen angels surrounding that throne and crying holy, holy, holy he was in the, the, the purest form of the presence of God that you could ever possibly imagine being at the throne of God taken to a heavenly place his thirst brought him there that's what took him to that place but it was his response that made all the difference it was his response to that presence of God that made all the difference. And that same throne of God, that same spirit of God is in this place today. It says that 
he, he, his response was, woe is me, for I am undone. In other words, I am nothing. I, I am nothing, God, before you. I humble myself before you because I'm a man of unclean lips. He humbles himself and then he repents before the Lord. He's a man of unclean lips and he says, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Then an angel came and took um, some tongs and grabbed a coal or a hot stone from the altar and touched the lips of Isaiah and he was cleansed. God said, you are cleansed. And then what happened? I know what happened. He had to go through like a 40... 40 week Bible study. He had to get a minister's license. He had to go ahead and prove to God that he was clean and that he was good and that he was everything that everybody thought he was supposed to be. No. God instantly turns around and what does God say to him? He says, Who will go? Who can I send? Who will do the work of the Lord? God cleanses us and our biggest deception in life is that we're not forgiven and that God can't use us because of what we used to do, because of what we did five seconds from that alt before that altar. It's the greatest deception that the enemy tries to throw at us. And God's trying to break that chain today. And so Isaiah, not only does he respond and, and humble himself and get in the place where he repents before the Lord and acknowledges that he is nothing before God but just a thirsty man then God calls him and he says here I am Lord send me and God sends him to do a great and mighty work you don't have to prove to anybody but God that you that you are forgiven to be used of God Sometimes we see somebody lay hands on someone and think, oh man, I know what they've been doing. How can God use them? That is, not a, that is not a spirit of God. That is a spirit of the devil. We don't need that in our church. We don't need to give that. We don't need to, we don't need to judge. Jesus, Jesus even said, I didn't come to judge. Even though if I judge, my judgment would be just. But I choose not to judge. What business do we have when our judgment is unjust? But it's that thirst that I'm talking about that's leading us to a place where we can see the face of God and where God wants to lead his people to. The fire from the altar, it quenched his thirst for more. He was cleansed and accepted in that moment. And as soon as he was clean, he was called. Our response also should be like Moses in Exodus chapter 3. After Moses is running from his, his murderous deeds where he killed a man and he tried to bury, it, bury the man in some sand, like that's going to work. Our response, though, in the presence of God, if we're murderers, if we are thieves, whatever we are, God is just looking for somebody who is going to humble themselves in his presence. Moses was on the mountain where God's presence was. He was in the house of God, we'll say. And there appeared fire. The glory of God was there. But it wasn't until his thirst for more led him to turn to see what that was all about, turning towards God in that burning bush. And he humbled himself before the Lord and took his shoes off and, and stood on that holy ground. That's when God began to speak to him and give him a plan for his life. That's when God began to speak. 
his response to God's presence caused by the thirst within him. We need God in this church. We need depth in this church. We need those who, who are hungry and thirsty for more to take their rightful place in this kingdom. We, we don't need to discount ourselves just one moment seeking after God and in, in, in his presence and humbling ourselves. That was the problem with Lucifer is Lucifer was handed everything. Lucifer was handed the glory of God upon him. But he, he didn't humble himself. He didn't even realize that the glory of God that was shining around about him was just the reflection of, of God's light. He didn't have light of himself. Have you ever taken a piece of gold into a dark room? You can't see it. It's no different than holding a rock or holding a stone. But it's that light that radiates it, that gives it the glory. And that's what God's wanting to show us today, that we can reflect his glory if we humble ourselves. Is there an Isaiah here in the house today that maybe, maybe you haven't seen the end of God, you haven't seen the depths of God and you're hungry and you want to know the depths of his heart? Is there anybody in the house today that is like that? Is there anybody that is like Moses that might be wandering in a desert place, wallowing in your past sins and your past mistakes? not really having any direction in your life, who's ready to see the fire of the Holy Ghost burn away all of your insecurities. That's what God is looking for today. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for humility and availability. We're going to always be unsatisfied until we hear his voice speak to our lives. I can't tell you enough that how much the voice of God speaking to me has changed me and made me hungry and thirsty for more. There's nothing like the voice of God in your life. There's nothing like sitting in the quiet and seeking his voice and seeking his face and hearing him respond to the questions that you ask. God will do that for anyone who is thirsty anyone who is hungry for God. We're going to always be unsatisfied until we see his face and look into his eyes. The Bible says that he is an all-consuming fire and that in his eyes are flames of fire. We look to his face because fire purifies us. Fire cleanses all those things, burns away those things that are of no value and leaves that which is valuable, that which is useful. There's a depth to God that is not oftentimes tapped into. There's a place in God that his word can speak to you and his power can freely flow through you without any blockage or any blocking of the flow. There are even some here today that your thirst has led you to places of great pressure and uncomfort and you may not understand why you may not know why God after you've sought him after you've pursued him with all your heart that you go through a season of wilderness and you go through a place of peril even David was wondering why he was anointed to be king 
but he was running from his, for his life. And he lost all that he had. And it got burned away in zigzag. But even God had a plan that was so much greater than that. We might wonder why all this pain, why all the perils? I see your promise. I see what you called me to do, but why am I so far away from that? Why, why am I in such a place of pain and hurt that I can't seem to ever believe that this dream or this vision will ever come to pass? Some of you might feel like Paul explaining what he went through when he chose to go deeper. In 2 Corinthians, verses 11, 24 through 27, it almost sounds like Paul is giving you a list of all the, all the pain that he's went through and that he's, you know, I'm not saying he's bragging, but, you know, if you can brag about pain, <laughs> he definitely lists a big majority of what he went through. And this might be somebody in here today. It says, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Five times his back was beaten with 40 stripes. That's, that's a lot. It says, thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeying often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weakness or in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. His, he, Paul seen some things that almost nobody has ever seen. But he paid a great price for them. But he goes on to talk about how it's like he would never trade those things. He would never trade those experiences of going through pain, going through hurt. To, to, he would never trade that for what he got to see. He, he got to see something he got to see of a heavenly place. He got to see of things that he said he couldn't even talk about. He got to see heavenly places because he went through so much. It says, um, it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 9 through 10, right after this last verse, you got to remember these, these letters are all one letter. We just break them into chapters so we can find them easier. But it says right after this in verse 11, he goes into verse 12 and says, into chapter 12, and he says that God said unto him after he was asking, why do I have to go through this thing that I can't break, that I can't beat, this, this ailment, this thorn in my side? And God says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made per perfect in weakness. God is strongest when we are at our weakest. God is strongest when we're facing COVID-19. God's strongest when we're facing all kinds of peril in this earth, when there's famines that are, might come upon us, when there is just confusion and chaos everywhere. God thrives in our weaknesses. The church is going to thrive in, 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 in the weaknesses, in the humility that we find ourselves in. 
when Paul was led into the presence of God, he was willing to say, yes, God. We have to, we have to be willing when we get into the presence of God to say, God, whatever you want, that's what I desire. And what you're saying is rebuild me, God. Remake me into your altar that the fire of the Lord may rest upon me. Like he says here, like he says here, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, more gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I've said it before in a message, but it sounds like a altar that God is putting his glory and his power upon. We have to be willing to come to his presence, to humble ourselves, to repent of our sins, and to ask God to use us for, your, for his glory. Whatever you will, remake me, rebuild me, tear down things if you have to. The, the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. So if we say, God loves me, well, that's good. Expect some correction coming. I didn't know God loved me so much. I mean, that's what it feels like sometimes. But he does. If God didn't love you, he would just let you go and do whatever you want to do. He wouldn't try to correct you. He wouldn't tug at your heart. He would just let you go. Let you die in your sins. But God commends his love towards us. And, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he corrects those that he loves. He's shaping us so he can trust us. And it's all because he loves us. If you thirst for his, love, if, for his voice and to see visions, dreams, the supernatural, the miraculous... If you desire that, if you're praying for that, and you want revival in this church, the only vehicle really to take us there is pressure. Pressure upon us. If we look at diamonds and how they're formed, how they're shaped, how they're made into a, a, a valuable piece, there's debate on whether they're valuable or not. We're gonna, not going to get into all that. But diamonds essentially are valuable for many different reasons if you look how they're formed pressure and heat causes these carbon atoms to to harden and they, they form into they crystallize over long periods of time they say three billion years or whatever i don't know if that's true or not but however long it took it was pressure and heat over long periods of time that carbon atoms turned into diamonds diamonds are one of the hardest and most valued stones in the world but it's that pressure that creates its purpose. It was that pressure that created into it into what it was supposed to be. When I was researching just um, probably about a year ago or so about sound and how, how the speed of sound works, we talk about the speed of light and we talk about the speed of sound, I found that in everyday speech, speed of sound refers to um, waves in the air. Speed of sound varies from substance to substance as well. Sound travels slowest in gases, faster in liquid, and faster still in solids. Sound travels at 343 meters per second in air. It travels 1,484 meters per second in water. 
4.3 times faster than air. That's how fast it travels in water. And then iron, it travels 5,120 meters per second in iron. And then almost lastly on the scale, at 12,000 meters per second, the diamond is around the maximum speed sound will travel under normal conditions. It's just interesting to me that the speed of sound can travel so much faster on diamonds than it can just in the air. There, um, the more that we seek the voice of God with complete and absolute clarity, the more pressure we must be put through to prepare our hearts to hear him. Are we just full of air? Or are we diamonds? Can we quickly recognize the voice of God? Or are we very slow to recognize his voice? These are questions that we should think about if we desire to hear his voice. God is always speaking, always. He wants to speak to us, but who will listen? Who is positioned to listen? The more that we want to hear, the more we are called to go low with humility. We're not called to go to the sky. We're not called to be high and lifted up, but we're called to go low to hear the voice of God with humility, not up with pride, but down with humility. In 2014, there was a rare diamond that held the key to a mystery that scientists had wondered about for years. It confirmed by containing a water-rich inclusion of the Olivian mineral ringwood, ringwoodite, which don't even ask me what all that means. But it basically means that there is a vast ocean of water deep within the earth's mantle a, a vast ocean this was found 320 miles deep in the mantle way way further than anyone else could dig man can't dig nearly that far it's funny how we can go hunt, uh, tens of thousands or actually millions of miles away with when you talk about some of the some of the different uh, satellites and stuff we sent out into space, the past, you know, Saturn, Saturn and Pluto and all that. But yet we can only dig like 12 miles in the earth. It's just amazing to me. But 320 miles deep in the mantle, this, this diamond was, was not found, but it rose to the surface. This diamond came out of a volcano and was brought to the surface from deep in the mantle. And it was found by diamond miners in Brazil. The scientist who examined it said, this is his exact quote. I thought this was pretty funny. He said, they literally look like they have been to hell and back. Does anybody in here feel like they've been to hell and back? Or they're, maybe they're still in hell and they're coming out. If you feel um, like God is letting you go through fires and through floods it's not to destroy you but to increase your value he's taking you to deep places where his voice can speak and he's going to bring you out so much more valuable with so much more knowledge and understanding of why God is the way that he is and how you can help other people by bringing you out but it starts 
today with a thirst. It starts today with a desire deep down inside of you. And what are you going to do with that desire today? What are you going to do with that thirst that God has put inside of you? God often speaks in the midst, midst of our pain. He's calling us today to let our thirst lead us to a place where we can hear his voice. Because I'm telling you, it's, it's not worth it to go through this life and just barely make it without hearing the voice of God. How much hurt, how much pain, how much anxiety has birthed from not hearing the voice of God and ignoring the voice of God? If you think God is going to tell you to pray a prayer over 100,000 people and they're all going to get the Holy Ghost, but you can't put down a magazine when God tells you to read the Word of God, there's something wrong. God's trying to speak on our level. He can only speak on our level. But we, we definitely can go deeper if we want to go deeper. If we could all stand, I'm going to close with this. God wants to lead us to that place where we can hear his voice. And we must be baptized with fire today. This, is, this world is... This world is, is so chaotic, so crazy. You know, we think everything is going to go back to normal, but we don't know that. We have no guarantee of that. If anything else, we have guarantees that there'll be the beginning of sorrows coming and there'll be times of pain. But I tell you what, if you can deal with the issues that are in your heart today, right now, that no matter what happens, no matter what takes place from the next few years on to when Christ comes and takes his church home, you're going to be okay with it. You're going to be able to thrive, not just live in the, 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 the mode of just survival, but you're going to be able to thrive in the midst of this pain. John says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 through 12, it, John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. There's that humility again. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose span is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. What he's talking about there is in the process of separating the wheat from the stock and, and the things that have no value that get burned away. If you don't get burnt, if you don't get baptized with fire, then you're going to get burnt up. You're not going to be able to make it in these last days. It's getting worse and worse. Perilous times are coming. I'm not trying to say that to be a doomsday prophet. And I hope that God grants us grace and mercy to, to be able to reach all nations and all people but I'm telling you right now that there are things coming. There are things that are happening now. And we have to be ready in this moment because the end is coming. It's coming whether we like it or not. But we can be prepared right now. God's presence is in this place. And I just want to invite us to come to the front and to just say, God, I thirst for you, Jesus. 
I humble myself. Can you come today? Can this church come and seek the face of the Lord and see where your thirst will lead you at an altar? See where your hunger will take you to the deep places of God. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, Jesus. Lord, we are not our own. We are bought with a price. Oh, God, we need you, Jesus.